Welcome back. You are listening to that one sports podcast. We are your host. I'm Mitch Wilson. He's Chris Hell. Man, I tell you what, excited to be back on the podcast. My boy Christopher, what do we got for him today, man? Baby, baby, we're going to go right into the NFL. We know what's been going on this week with the NFL Hall of Fame. We're going to talk a, a little bit. Has the NFL Hall of Fame become a little bit watered down? Is it as special and as prestigious as it used to be? We're going to talk about our red, yellow, and white boys, the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to talk a little bit about them. We have a few topics dedicated to them today. We're also going to talk about Jake Paul and the Paul brothers in general. They're starting to turn into the Kardashians, and it's starting to bother me. So we'll talk a little bit about them. And then we've got a top five game like we always do. It's not really a game with right or wrong answers, but still in the format of a top five game. So my main man, Mitch, speaking of the prestigious Hall of Fame, the best of the best, in your opinion, has the NFL, with how many people they are starting to allow in, has it been watered down lately? Has it lost its luster? Absolutely, yes. You know, I think that Deion Sanders said it best. And this is something that we've talked about. Like, there was a couple years ago, he made the comment about all the people that are starting to let into the Hall of Fame. And he said, if we're going to do this, we need to have like two levels. You know, we need to have like like the 1% of the 1% and then like everybody else. Because you have guys that are getting it. And I feel like that it's more of the older guys that played like back in like the 50s and the 60s. And I feel like it's a, it's a lot of those guys that are getting in that you would you would say, man, does he really – deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And I feel like a great candidate or an example of this is going to be Eli Manning. In my opinion, Eli Manning does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he won two Super Bowls, but let's just be completely honest. They won two Super Bowls because both of those Super Bowls, they had elite-level defenses. I'm not saying that Eli was a scrub by any means by the imagination, but he was heavily heavily helped in winning those Super Bowl. Agreed. And and I get it's a team game, and I understand that. But, you know, when you get to that level, when you're trying to decide whether you're going to be in the Hall of Fame or not, like as a quarterback, you need to be one of the major reasons why your team wins. They need to ball out in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, go. What he do in the playoffs? He balls out. Joe Montana, baller in the playoffs. What he do? He balls out. So those elite level guys, like when they get to those type of situations, they perform. So if you put a guy like Eli in the Hall of Fame, like the only reason, in my opinion, he gets in is because of the two Super Bowls and name recognition, and that's it. Because you absolutely, know, you- absolutely. With, with how popular the Manning brothers are with like, you know, with pay with Omaha productions and then they have the, their product on Monday night football, you know, it's almost like, and I hate to say this, but it's almost like Eli is still benefiting off of Peyton Manning being his older brother, because like, let's just be real honest. If Peyton wasn't his older brother, I don't think he gets in, but because of the two Super Bowls, go ahead. 
Well, let me stop you here because I think we could undress this more fairly of players that are in the Hall of Fame. So, like, we don't know if Eli's going to go or not. And your point is well taken. I do not agree that Eli Manning should be in. But I think over the last five years, we have seen some really pedestrian people. And no offense if anyone's are fans of these players, but, like, <laughs> Sam Mills – the linebacker from the Saints gets in last year. Just because he had longevity, he gets in. Joe Klecko this year gets in. Zach Thomas, to me, is borderline. He didn't win anything. He played in an era where you had Ray Lewis and Brian Erlacher and all these nasty middle linebackers. It's okay to be second best. And that's where I think we're starting to see the NFL turning into what I think our problem is with society, is that everybody's getting participation. You're special, you're special. If you're not special, that's okay to still be great. In my opinion, the Hall of Fame should be, can you tell the story of the NFL without you or with you, right? Like I couldn't write a story of the NFL and leave out a Joe Namath. Whether or not his stats were there, for his error they were. So that's why he got in. I can write a story about the NFL without a Zach Thomas. I can write a story without a Sam Mills and a Joe Klecko. Now, the Halley individual, I'm not going to, you know, get anybody out of their, their walker here and get pissed off. He was great for his era, and you made a good point. I think the reason why they're trying to grab the older people now that have been on the ballot for a long time is because they know the stats are just going to balloon even more to where now it, do, it wouldn't make sense to put someone like that in. So there's a lot to unpack. The first thing I would say for the older generation is you can only play in the era you're in. And I, and I agree with that argument. So some of these individuals that were dominant during their time, they need to get a sniff and a look at younger generation. Don't think because your stats are inflated that that makes you better than someone that played in the seventies. A good example of that. Most of the quarterbacks only threw for 30,000 yards in their career. That was a great quarterback in the 70s and 80s. Brady ended his career at, what, 88,000? Mahomes is probably going to throw for potentially 100K. The game is different. Running backs now making 1,000 yards is really impressive because of their attempts. They don't get the attempts that an Emmett Smith got and a Barry Sanders and a Terrell Davis and a Gail Sayers and a Walter Payton. All those guys got. We have to be careful of, of downplaying a generation, but we also need to be able to maintain how important and what a rare honor it is to be in the NFL Hall of Fame. And Joe Klecko was one of those that I'm like, yeah, he's a great player, but I looked up his stats because he was someone I really didn't know, and I knew he was part of the New York Sack Exchange with Mark Gastineau. Yeah. And I know he was very good and very technical, but – if you put him in, then is it a guarantee that Chris Jones is now in the Hall of Fame? Think about that. Chris Jones is at 18, 19, 20 sacks. He's had decent years. He's been a very, on pro football focus, a highly rated defensive tackle. So do we just go now and put him in? Do we put Tony Saragusa in? Whatever happened to being special? And Dion said this, my man, and you kind of alluded to it. If you can't put anybody in, then oh well. That year you only have one or two guys go in. You don't need to say every year we got to put in six. Why? If there isn't six people to get in, there isn't six people to get in. 100% agree. 100% Plain and simple. Agree. 
Yeah, and and also I think one of the things that I was going to bring up, but you already alluded to it, is I agree that I think the reason why more people are getting in is because of the society in which we live in, as in, oh, hey, well, you know, it's not as much of a rare thing as it's just the mindset. Because if you think about the mindset of the voters now is, oh, man, he's been on the ballot for so long and he was pretty good for his air. So let's just go ahead and like kind of, you know, like put him in, put him in, which, you know, does not make sense. Like you said, like you, I completely understand those guys that put in different era and like you said if they dominated in their era then they absolutely deserve to be in the hall of fame but if they were just good to me good does not equal hall of fame to me like uh, jared allen jared allen that's a that's a good name to throw out about his piece and i'm yep. kind of interested about your thought about that would you put jared allen into the hall of fame oh i uh, that's that to me that's a that's he a has a bunch one. of sacks. He has a bunch of sacks. He has a bunch of sacks, but I don't think that he has a Super Bowl. Not that that is important. Because, like to me, like if you're defense, if you're defensive and like he is, you have to have. If you don't win anything in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl, you better be elite at sacks. So, if I would say if he was like top, like top fifteen, top twenty ever, yeah. But if not, because then you would be at lead at what you're doing at sacking the quarterback. But yeah. if he's not in the top 20 of sacks uh, for a career in the NFL, then I say no. Because he didn't – like it would be different if he was like ranked like 25 or 30 but had, you know, won one or two Super Bowls and then that would be completely different. But if you don't win in the playoffs and you don't win a Super Bowl, your numbers have to be elite for what you do. He, is, the, him, he, is, he is in 12th place of all-time sacks. Yes, he's a Hall of Famer. Because to me, that is being elite at what you did. But is it elite or see this is where the argument gets really interesting. Or was it a time when when he played? Did he have more opportunity to sack quarterbacks because he was playing in a passing league? Like I, I love Jared Allen, but I do believe when you play one of those positions and it's not a sexy position you have to be part of a team that was synonymous with winning. Like Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith has 200 sacks. He's the all-time leading rusher or all-time leading sack-er. <laughs> he leads the league in sacks, I guess that's how you'd say it. Yeah, for a career, yeah. But he played on a team that went to four Super Bowls. So even though he didn't win one, they were the cream of the crop of the AFC during that time with the Bills, right? And same with Reggie White. He won Super Bowls. Kevin Green was another one that, like, he went to Super Bowls. Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers is fourth all time. But I don't think he's ever won one, but he's played in a Super Bowl early on in his career and was part of that Carolina Panther defense. So I think Jared Allen is a really unique case study. Does he get in? Does he not? Julius Peppers, I would argue, has more of a shot because he's fourth ranked. Dude, if, he, if he's fourth, he should be in, bro. Top five all time in sacks, dude. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Top five, gotta be. Yeah, top five yeah. in sacks. I feel like he's got. He's got to be. Like if he doesn't get in the first year, that's just absolutely ludicrous. Because because you're telling me that there have only been if he's number four all time, there have only been three other guys. I think that, Julius Peppers gets in next year in 2024. But, oh, he better. But you got to watch out saying. Well, you know, just stats because 
so this other day I, I was looking this up and if you look up all time leading rushers in the NFL, so you say that if they're in the top five, they should be in there. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if that should be the only thing. And so that's why well, I no. think Jared, Jared Allen is a really interesting case study because did you know that Mr. Frank Gore is the third leading rusher all time NFL? I don't think Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. Well, that's also just because of his longevity, though, too. Is it? And, and that's and that's my point about Jared Allen. Jared Allen didn't only play like no eight years. Jared Allen played a long time. So Jared, so so basically, he, I mean, he played like fourteen yeah, seasons. Didn't yeah. He? So so basically, are you saying was he elite at what he did, or because he played for so long, he was able to rack up those numbers? Basically. So that that's the point about our conversation. That's why I think this will always be a great point to bring up for years to come. There every year there's going to be someone that's not deserving that's probably going to get in, but the majority of the people that get in are. And that's what makes this conversation interesting because if they keep letting those one or two people in a year, then 20 years from now, I'll be taking my kids to the Hall of Fame and they'll be like, what? This guy wasn't even that great. Like, why, why is he in here? And that, my friend, is what makes watching the NFL so compelling. I agree, man. I agree. All right, man, so keeping with the football and seeing as we are so lucky enough to be fans of arguably the best team in the NFL right now. Arguably. Arguably. They are. Arguably. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, but you, you, when, you, when you're the defending Super Bowl champion, you can say, my team is the best team in the league. So, yes, having, so having said that, can the Chiefs go 20-0? Oh, man, that is a really good question. You know our dude Nick Wright on media holding up the Kansas City faithful, proudly. Good job, Nick Wright. He brings this up quite a bit, right? He always does this every year. Can the Chiefs do this? Can the Chiefs win this? And, you know, I'd like to say they could. I just don't think they will. I mean, I I know people that listen to our podcast probably want me to say, oh, yeah, they're going to win every game. They could. They could. We have the roster, but let me just go down the schedule for you really fast, just quickly. Lions at Chiefs, I think we win, but I think they're going to definitely leave a mark on our team. I agree. I, I feel I like – I think okay, we're going to uh, know. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Because yeah. that, let's, okay, we'll get into that later because you know where I'm going with that. Okay, so go ahead. Okay. Jaguars, Chiefs in – in Jacksonville, I could see that being a slip-up game just because it's hot. It's going to be so hot in Jacksonville. But I think we escape. Bears and Chiefs in Arrowhead, I think we win that. Chiefs at Jets, that's going to all depend on what Aaron Rodgers looks like. If they're 3-0 and or 2-1 and and we got to go play the Jets on primetime in New York, they haven't seen a primetime game like that in a long time. Bro. Then we got the Vikings, the Chargers – See, that's my thing. I think we're going to split with the Chargers, and there's just too many good teams on here, the Bengals, the Bills, and then where they're at too. Like, What if at the end of the season when we play the Chargers, we've already got it locked up? And that's another reason why it's hard to say, does someone go undefeated? What if we are undefeated in the season so far? And on our 17th game, you know, we're 16-0, and and we already have the it locked up first seed and people are kind of banged up. Why would Andy Reid play against the Chargers in 
in uh, California. So oh, agree. can yeah, they go? Sure. I mean, I could become president too, but I'm, I'm not. <laughs> so I don't think they do, my man. You? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I think that, yes, they have the roster too, but there are just so many variables, you know, because at the end of the day, I know a lot of people forget this, but football players are human, you know. I mean, like, you never know. You could have, you know, a key guy have possibly maybe something going on in his life outside of football that allows him maybe not to play. And But, you know, it's just there's too many variables in this scenario to be able to say, oh, yes, there are just way too many. That's why I feel like the the 72 Dolphins will forever be remembered because, to be completely honest, I don't think that that's – ever going to happen again. And if I'm wrong... And I don't think I, no one wants to chase it. I mean, I think when New England did it, it was a perfect storm of they they got caught for Spygate. They were, they were determined and hell-bent, I should say. That's the proper terminology. They were hell-bent right. to go out and show everybody. And they did, but when they lost the Super Bowl, I think it showed all these other teams too, like what's really the point? Let the Dolphins have it. They played way less games. There was less teams. Who cares about going undefeated? We want Super Bowls. So that's why I think it'll never get beat, truthfully, because I don't think any team's going to try for it. I would have to. I would have to agree because, like you said, and plus there are a lot of teams that get in situations where, like what we talked about earlier, have the have uh, the one seed locked up, and they got a game left. What are they going to do? They don't care about winning the game. They're going to rest their players. So I think just that in itself and the way the NFL is played today, with with that happening every year, I would say almost every year you have whoever the one seed is in the AFC and NFC have that locked up by the last week of the season. So they rest their guys because rest is more important than winning that game. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Speaking of the Chiefs, so this question is for you. We have a pretty big, important piece on our team. Still not signed. Oh! Chris Jones not in camp. We talked about this a little bit before, but now it's starting to creep much deeper into the season. What effect do you think his contract situation will have on the Kansas City Chiefs this year? I think it all comes down to whether the deal gets done or not. If, if, if they get a deal done, it will have no effect on the team whatsoever. If they do not get a deal done, then that's a different story because then you could have, you know, Chris, you know, have a little bit of animosity. Could he take possibly take plays off? But I would say that as long as he is willing, not that he needs to take a hometown discount. Here's my deal is, and and I, and we've talked about this. I think when the Rams gave Aaron Donald, $31 $31 million a year, they completely screwed up the D-tackle market. Yes, is Aaron Donald an absolute phenom? Yes. Agreed. Is he the best tackle in the NFL? Yes, when he's healthy. But that completely messed up the market for the D-tackle. Now you have a guy like Chris Jones who was, you know, all pro, and then now he's in the last year of his contract, so how much money does he want? He wants $31, $32 million. And, Absolutely. And to be, and to be on this team, that's just not going to cut it. As much as I love Chris Jones, if you want to continue to win Super Bowls and be competitive, 
You cannot pay Chris Jones. And I'm sorry, when you have a guy like Travis Kelsey, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, who consistently takes a pay cut, because like, let's just be honest, Travis Kelsey should be getting receiver money. Let's just be honest. He should be getting receiver money because since 2018, no one in the NFL has had more receiving yards than Travis Kelsey. That is a fact. And that's my point. So I think this does have a negative effect because Travis Kelsey is someone who has been great for the community, but he listens and he made a comment. He actually responded to that gossip out in the media about, well, hey, you know, my agent always tells me that I'm underpaid, but I'm here to win Super Bowls. You don't think they sit in that locker room, Mahomes, who's taken a pay cut, all these guys that have done it for the team, and they're looking at, at Chris Jones like, what is he doing? You don't think that conversation's being had? Because I think it is. And, oh, and I think those, what I would call our staple players, I think that affects them. And I think it bothers them that they're willing to take the sacrifice and Chris Jones is not. So a lot of that has to do with him. So he had his rookie deal, obviously. His second deal was the four years for $80 million, okay? So between his rookie deal and his second deal, he's made close to or over $100 million in his career, okay? Now... Sounds pretty good to me, brother. That's what I'm saying. So, like, he's still chasing the bag when it's like, dude, you should be, which I'm not trying to tell Chris Jones what to do because who am I, but you've already made over $100 million. Not to say that you shouldn't get another contract, but me, I feel like the happy medium for Chris Jones is in that you're not going to get 31. It's kind of, I would say probably in that 20, 22 to 25 range, okay? Because if you sign another deal like that, that's for even, even if it's for – three years because let's not forget he's almost 30 okay almost 30 he turns 30 this year you sign a three-year three or four-year deal for 20 23 24 million dollars a year that's going to be what 25 57 that's going to be close to another 100 million dollars and it's like i'm sorry like if you make over a hundred million dollars in career earnings in the nfl you should not be wanting for anything like i'm sorry like that's just how I feel about that, and maybe that maybe that's just because I'm an average Joe, you know, who like a lot of the rest of us don't make that type of money. But anyone in their life that makes over a hundred million dollars, in my opinion, should not be chasing a bag. But I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say he should, you know, I'm not saying that he should sell for cheap. But for me, I feel like that sweet spot is like that twenty, probably that twenty two to twenty five max. If he could, if they could get him for something like that, that would be great. And like you said, Mahomes has done it. Kelsey's done it. Chris Jones is in that circle of guys who are elite. And Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey's probably looking at him like, come on, bro. If you really want to win, you know, and something that he said when he signed his second contract, that, that two years, or I'm sorry, that four years for $80 million, he talked about winning four and five rings. So, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? And if you want to do that, take that $23 million a year and save with the Chiefs for three or four more years and go win two or three more rings. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what his career earnings are. I don't know how much he's made. He might be in that 75 to hundred million range. I, I don't know the exact number. Seems like a lot to us, but again, you're always what your market value is. 
I think it's one of those things like Tyreek. If that's really what you want, then you don't want to win rings. It, you really don't. People that say, I want my cake and eat it too, that doesn't exist in the world. You cannot be someone that wants your bag and also wants to continue to win rings. It doesn't work like that. There's only X amount of money to go around. And no matter how good you are, football has to be won as a team game. This is not a one-man show. So someone, if you want that kind of money, you may not get it with the Chiefs. And kudos to you. You got your bag. You got your earnings. Go. Yeah, so agreed. Just really quick. So I'm not for sure with what his rookie deal is, but like the uh, his second contract was for four years, $80 million, and he and he could have made up to $85 million. So I guarantee his rookie contract, because he was a second-round pick, I, I bet it was only like four million. So four million. million. So so, but he's still probably close to that. He's creeping up on a hundred million. It is what it is. Hopefully they can work something out because he is, you know, at least at what he does, and we'd love to keep him on the team. All right, stepping back for a second away from football, man. This dude, Jake Paul, just out here knocking. These MMA dudes out winning these matches. What do you think they need to do, or do you think that that they need to get him into an octagon? Yeah, I mean, so I I was in the barbershop the other day. You know, barbershop talk is always the best. And someone asked me the question of, "What do you think Jake Paul his success has hurt? Which sport do you think his success has hurt more?" And it's definitely not boxing. It's it's MMA. It's he's taking these MMA fighters who were once heavyweight, very, or just not even heavyweight, sorry. I don't know what class they were, but former championships of the sport, champions of the sport, and he's beating them in boxing, and they're willing to go in. And they're saying, oh, yeah, well, we do striking in in MMA. It's totally different, and Jake Paul is exposing that, that an amateur boxer, and he is amateur boxer, can go in there and annihilate. And he did. I mean, if you watch even highlights of that fight, Nate Diaz looked lost. Like he couldn't even swing. He didn't throw punches very good. Wasn't doing combinations. Wasn't having any defense. I think what MMA needs to do to get back there, and I'm not saying they're losing ratings because of this, but to shut him up is they need to say, okay, we're coming out of our arena and stepping into yours. And we're doing this to come box. Now we want you to come fight Nate Diaz in a UFC ring, in the octagon. Now, do I think he says yes? No, I don't. I think he says no because there's just too much going on there, and I think Jake Paul would get hurt. But I think he needs to be man up to do that and say, yeah, you've done my – so two things I think Jake Paul needs to do because I can't stand the dude. You either need to turn pro. <laughs> you either need to turn pro and go get your ass whooped by – actual fighters like Tommy Fury did and Tommy Fury is not even a great boxer considered in the annals of boxing go turn pro and actually just fight actual boxers or start crossing over into MMA now he may laugh at me and he'll never hear this but he may laugh at me and think look at all this money I'm getting and that's the problem with society he keeps doing these matches because idiots pay for it they pay to go watch him do this and he knows that and he's laughing all the way to the bank. He's like, I don't care whether or not they think I'm technical or if they think I'm good at my job. I'm getting money, and all it is is a gimmick. But I think the sport needs to step up 
and save the purity of it. Because boxing at one time used to be one of the most popular sports in the nation. MMA was starting to climb up there, but now it's all become gimmicky. It's all, you know, one dancing cheerleader on the sideline of being WWE. They need to save the sports and they need to go back to the purity that it was. Athletes in the ring, actually fighting, not making gimmicky stories around it. I know it sells. I know Money Mayweather was really good at that. He got his bag. He was really good at making it a production and a Broadway show. But I believe the purists want it to get back to what it used to be. That's my problem with this whole Jake Paul shenanigan. Is it isn't boxing. It's not boxing. And it's really not even MMA. It's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, the, all this is is a influencer influencer doing whatever he can to get the bag. And like you said, people are dumb enough to fall for it. Like you said, I think he should turn pro. Like, you keep doing this, I think you need to turn pro. And, and I, you need to fight a real fighter, a real boxer, and see how that goes. Because the reason why he's doing this is because he's – we know a, how it goes. He lost. Right, exactly. <clears throat> but he's got so many follow, followers and stuff like that. He's getting paid millions of dollars for these fights. So in his mind, like, wh- like, why would he stop? The only way that you could get him to stop is if people stop paying. But people are dumb enough. They're not going to do that. But I would love to see him in an octagon with Nate Diaz and or in a boxing ring with a professional and see how he fares because then he would be out of his element. Because like you said – you have these MMA guys coming out of their element, and he's technically in his element. So what he needs to do is he needs to go into the octagon or fight a real pro fighter so he can understand what it's like to go out of your element and to compete at that level. 1,000%. All right, we're going to end the night with our top five format like we always do, and this one's for you tonight. No right or wrong answer, so you can stop sweating. You don't have to guess anything right. This is all <laughs> opinion-based. There are a lot of sneaky good teams in the NFL this year that I think are going to be sneaky good teams. So I'm going to ask you, and ranking them in order, in order, what are your top five surprise NFL teams for the 2023-2024 season? Okay. Let me – okay, here we go. So – at number five, like you said, no wrong or right answer. This is my top five. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry. So number five, surprise team, is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. I know they were a playoff team, okay? But Geno Smith getting his contract, I feel he's very underrated, okay? I feel with DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett, and your boy from Ohio State, Jackson, is it Igba? Igba. Igba. Jackson Igba. I think potentially because of that addition, I feel like they have the opportunity to most definitely be a top five receiving core in the NFL. It's a good one. It's a good one. And with Geno playing at that level, he's just, and especially if it continues to grow in the offense and get better, I like that. So number five. It's a good one. It's a good one. Okay. Number four. I hate to say this. Because his team's in the Chiefs division. And I'm going to say the Chargers. The reason why I'm going to say the Chargers is kind of honestly, 
the same one of the same reasons why I chose the Seahawks. Chargers, if which is a huge if, if they can stay healthy at receiver with Keenan Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Quentin Johnson, who I feel is going to be really good in this league, just like uh, Jackson Igba from the Seahawks. Again, with those three guys, I feel like they have a chance to be really good. And with Justin Herbert, is a from a in from a talent perspective, arm talent. He's a top five arm talent in the league. Now, winning is di- winning is different, but he has the arm talent to have those type of receivers. They should be able to do some damage. And also, side note, Chargers fans, I really think that. You should not be talking any stuff on the Chiefs because your quarterback, Justin Herbert, for his career is under 500. So please don't talk and compare Justin Herbert to Patrick Mahomes until he can at least be better than 500 and or win a playoff game, okay? So, So they were my number four. Number three, I really like this QB. He's in the second year. I really love one of his receivers. I love the running back. And that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Kenny Pickett, I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to play well this year. Unfortunately for them, they also play in a division with Cincinnati and Baltimore. So I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they definitely improve and become better. I think George Pickens is, an, is going to be an absolute beast this year. I think uh, I've seen uh, kind of kept up with them in the training camp. He's been making play after play after play. I think he's going to have a really good sophomore season. Number two. And this team, I felt like, kind of surprised people um, last year. But I think they're going to do it again this year. And that is the Detroit Lions. I like the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff balled out. Uh, St. Brown, great receiver. Uh, They drafted the the running back who's going to be really good. Aiden Hutchinson in year two, uh, DN from Michigan. I think he's going to be an absolute baller. I think he's going to probably uh, be probably top five, definitely top 10 in sacks this year. He's a beast coming off the edge. And I really think, like you said earlier in the podcast, week one, I think that we beat the Lions, but I think the game's going to be a lot closer than what people think. And then I think that's going to kind of catapult them. Absolutely, because they won't win that game. But the, you play a team like Kansas City close at their house, that's going to give you all the all the confidence in the world to go out and beat everybody else. It's a great litmus test. Yes. All right. Well, I got my top five. Oh, so, oh, that, hey, oh, that was only four. That was only four. All right. All right. You know, one more. Okay. My number one surprise team. This team. When this quarterback is healthy and he's on the field, he is a top five quarterback. This team got has arguably one of the best offensive line in the NFL. They arguably have one of the best running backs in the NFL. And I think Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore ball out. So you know who it is. The Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson, if he's not do, if he's not having the off the field issues and he's locked in, top five quarterback. And when you have a top five quarterback with a 
top three offensive line, top five running back, and good receivers, that is a recipe for success. So how about you? I like yours. I, I can't say that I don't. I definitely uh, I definitely like yours. So this would be, to me, the way I put this list together would be true surprise team. So the reason why I'm keeping Detroit off is because they have got plenty of media coverage that they're going to be pretty good. I took the Pittsburgh Steelers off because they get coverage that they're going to be a much improved team. So here's my top five surprise teams that I don't think anyone sees coming, but very few people and probably the fan base itself. So number five, I got the Los Angeles Rams. I think they come back with Stafford, with Sean McVay. They've got pieces in place. Yes, they're older, but I think they come back and they redeem that horrific season they had last year with everybody being injured. Now, mind all the people listening here, I'm not saying that I think these five teams are going to go win the Super Bowl. What I'm saying is they're going to be a formidable bunch. They're going to be difficult to beat, and they might even double their win totals from last year. So Rams are number five. My number four, I hate even having this come out of my mouth, but I do think they're going to be way better than people give them credit for, especially how close they were in games last year, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders. I think I think Garoppolo comes in and is not great, but provides stability to the position that it needed. And I think that Josh McDaniels in his second year, I think he writes the ship just a little bit. They have Max Crosby. They have all the things that all the pieces in place to make a good team. I think they're number four. Number three is going to shock you. Hold on, really quick. Uh, Have have they signed Josh Jacobs yet? No. Is he okay? Okay. Number three is the Carolina Panthers. I'm talking about all that smoke, all that smoke you've been talking about my boy at quarterback, all that smoke you've been talking about how he looks like a kindergarten out there. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I was making sure it was the same. Okay. Well, I'm still telling you that it's going to be a surprise. I'm not saying, again, they're going to win the Super Bowl, so don't get your panties in a wad. You over there (laughs) hyperventilating. They, they've got some good players, and I believe they just signed uh, Justin Houston today to a oh, one-year okay. contract the Panthers did. So they're okay. So they're okay. Um, I think they're going to do enough. I think their run game and their defense is what's going to carry them, but I think they're going to be a surprise team and be a lot better than what people thought. Now, Again, I, this does not translate to records. I don't want anyone to think that, oh, I'm calling the Panthers are going to go 11-5 and five and win the division. They're just surprise teams who I think are going to be better than people think. Number two is the Washington Commanders. Oh, that's a good one. They've got veterans one. in place. I think Howell kind of writes the ship. Ron Revere is a great coach. I think that defense, that defensive line is still ill with it. And I think they get it done, and I do think they're going to be a very formidable foe in the NFC East. Number one, I am buying into this hype train a little bit. And they don't get enough love, but I think the number one shocking team, surprising team of 2023 and 2024 is the Chicago Bears. Oh! Oh my gosh, you know what's so funny is I had them on my list, but then I took them off, bro. 
I think Chicago Dude. Bears are going to surprise a lot of people this year. I'm not saying that they're going to, you know, usurp the uh, the Minnesota Vikings or be better than Detroit, but I do firmly believe that they are going to have a much better showing than they did in previous years. I tell you what, dude, Justin Fields the truth. If they can just get some pieces around him, dude, he is going to ball out. Yeah, that's it. Great top five game, my brother. And I tell you what, it's a, it's always fun, man. I'm so happy that football. Uh, we like you said, we had the Hall of Fame game uh, uh, this last week. Boy, it was good to see some football. I it was. You know, I didn't like. I turned it on like for like. I watched like four or five plays, and then uh, I turned to something else. But like it was just like I had to turn it to the station just so I could see like the football on the screen, you know. So yeah, it was great. It was great. I mean, appreciate the top five game, brother. It's always a good time, man. And guys, please don't don't forget to like and follow us on on Instagram and Facebook. And we are on. Whatever platform you get your podcast, please check us out. Please tell a friend about us. Tell them about that one sports podcast, okay? And guys, please remember, be kind. Because everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you have absolutely no idea about. Until next week, fam. Peace.